from the Heidelberg Catechism. Let's read together Lord's Day 1. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. What do you need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort? First, how great my sins and misery are. Second, how I'm delivered from all my sins and misery. And third, how I'm to be thankful to God for such deliverance. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, everyone needs to belong. God created the human heart for fellowship. We all have an internal desire to fit in, to be part of something outside of ourselves. Most of us are born into families. We belong to a particular family and to a larger group of relatives. We also want to be part of certain groups. It might be a sports club or a chess club or another club where like-minded people with similar interests get together. There's very few true loners out there. Most people need some form of connection with others. The human heart has an intense desire to belong. We need to be attached to others. In recent decades, psychologists and counselors have been confronted with a great increase in attachment disorder. It's a disorder that results from young children failing to form normal attachments to parents or other primary caregivers in early childhood. Often it's the result of neglect, abuse, an abrupt separation from mom or dad, or a lack of responsiveness to a child's needs. Such children do not experience being loved and cared for. The result is that they don't form a basic trust relationship with the very people charged to care for them. Such children don't feel like they truly belong. If children do not learn how to bond with a primary caregiver by age three, It'll often have long-term consequences for them. Because they have not learned to form a basic trust relationship with mom or dad, they find it hard to form deep trust relationships later in life. Because they have not learned to connect with others on an emotional level, they will often find it hard to show genuine care and affection. They often have an aversion to physical touch and affection because they have never truly belonged. They have trouble helping those under their care 
feel like they belong. With the breakdown of the family in Western culture, many more children are experiencing attachment disorder. This not only affects them. If they marry and have children, the problems are often passed on from one generation to the next. There are many in our society, and even in the church, who struggle with attachment issues. There are many who feel like they do not belong. This, has, this not only has an effect on family relationships, it also affects our ability to relate to God. This afternoon we begin to deal with the Heidelberg Catechism once more. We start with Lord's Day 1. It's a summary of all that follows. The central focus of this Lord's Day is on belonging. The Catechism asks, what is your only comfort in life and death? The answer is that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible's message is that our ultimate comfort in life is that we belong. We belong to Jesus Christ. This afternoon, we'll unpack what that means. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. We belong with body and soul to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll consider our identity, our blessings, and our purpose. Who are you, beloved? If someone were to ask you this question, what would you say? You might answer, I'm Bill or John, Kristen or Nicole. But that's only your name. Who are you? Many of us would identify ourselves by our occupation. I'm a carpenter, I'm a businessman, a teacher, a homemaker. But that only describes what you do day by day. Who are you? Well, I'm a Canadian, but that's only a reference to your nationality. Who are you? I'm Canadian Reformed. But that only tells me what church you're a member of. And you could go on talking about your height and weight, but your physical dimensions and appearance are not you either. So, who are you? In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, Paul says that we regard no one according to the flesh. And yet that's how we tend to identify both ourselves and others. We define ourselves by what we do or by what our role in church life is. We recognize others by their physical appearance, by what family they come from, or by the measure of their success in life. But is who we are determined by what we look like? Is it really determined by what we do? Is that ultimately what counts in the kingdom of God? Do joy and happiness in life come from being pretty? Or having a good job? Or making lots of money? Is that the basis of our comfort and security in life? I certainly hope not. 
For if it is, then at some point in time in our lives, we'll end up being very miserable people. Our happiness, our peace, our joy, our comfort, and our security come from knowing who we truly are. To get a better understanding of this, it's helpful to see how God addressed His people Israel right from their beginning, uh, from the beginning of their existence as a nation. In Exodus 19, the Lord told Moses that Israel was His treasured possession among all nations. He said that Israel was to him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are profound statements. Do you know who the Israelites were at that point in time? They were a motley crew of slaves who for the most part had taken over the worship of Egyptian gods. They did not believe in the Lord or have much appreciation for his wondrous works of delivering them from Egypt. They murmured and complained against him repeatedly during their wilderness sojourn. Yet according to his promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord claimed them as his own people. Through the ten plagues, he showed his power over the Egyptian gods. He delivered them from the cruel oppression of the Egyptians and was bringing them to the promised land. Why? In Deuteronomy 7, the Lord explains why he redeemed Israel and not any other nation. Moses writes, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. To be holy means to be set apart, dedicated for service to God. Of all the nations, God chose Israel to be His people, set apart for His service. Moses explains why God chose Israel. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath He swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God set his love on them, not because they were so great or because they were so lovable. They were not. God chose the weak and despised ones. He claimed them as his own people. In the New Testament, God's promises in Jesus Christ come to fulfillment. God establishes His covenant with believers and their children. God sets His love on the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's beautiful to see how God addresses His people in the New Covenant. In 1 Peter 2, Peter speaks to the elect exiles in their dispersion, to God's people who have been scattered through Asia Minor, because of the persecution they suffered. Peter says to them, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. He uses the same terms God 
used to address Israel, and he now applies them to the church. Dear brothers and sisters, you are the chosen people of God. From all those living in society around us, God has chosen you as his own people. You are his treasured possession. Do you know what that means? If you're treasured, it means God values you. If you're God's possession, it means that you belong to him. Hear me clearly. You belong to him. How incredible is that? God has claimed you as his own. He's made you his own possession. You belong to him. How is that possible, you ask? How can the almighty, infinite, eternal God set his love on me? Why would he bother to do that if he looks at who I really am and the many ways in which I have rebelled against him? Certainly not because I deserve any attention from God. It's not because we're such good or special people that we merit anything from him. It's grace. God grants us the righteousness of Christ. And thereby he claims us as his own possession. To understand this, we need to see what Jesus Christ has done for us. Our catechism summarizes his work by saying that Christ has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. How is it that Christ has redeemed us? How has he set us free from sin and Satan? The answer lies in the cross. Jesus came into this world to offer his, his body and blood as a sacrifice for our sins. He is the good shepherd who gave his life for his sheep. Thereby he prayed, paid the price to redeem us from our sins. You know what it means to redeem or ransom someone? People living in New Testament times understood this better than we do. They lived in a world where slavery was part of everyday life. It's estimated that in the first century, about a third of the population was made up of slaves. Most people became slaves because they ended up in financial trouble. They had to sell themselves in order to pay off their debts. When you became a slave... You lost all your privileges as a Roman citizen. In the eyes of the government, you were not a person anymore. You were a piece of property. If you had a kind master, you might still live a decent life. Yet many slaves were abused and mistreated. Did slaves have any way out of slavery? Yes but only if a relative or friend was willing to redeem them. 
Roman law made provision for this. If you had a rich relative who heard of your dire circumstances and wanted to help, he could buy you back from your master. Your master would be willing to do this, for he could make a profit off of you. So by agreeing to pay a certain sum of money, you could be set free from slavery. The Bible makes it clear that Christ has ransomed us from the debt incurred by our sins, that thereby He has set us free from the mastery of Satan. In 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19, Peter says, For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Hebrews 2, verses 14, 15, make it clear that by his death, Christ destroyed him who held the power of death, that is the devil, and freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by him. Please understand what happened when Christ redeemed us, beloved. He paid the price for us to be set free from the debt incurred by our sins. By doing so, Christ has bought us and made us his own possession. We belong to him. That involves a fundamental change in our identity, in our status. Paul says in Colossians 1 that you who, were once, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in the body of his flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We who are sinners have you made God's holy people. We who are not God's people have been claimed as his own precious possession. The point, beloved, should be clear. God in Christ has claimed us as his own. He gives us a new identity. We are his people, sons and daughters of the living God. In Christ, God has adopted us so we can be part of his family. Do you know what that means? We belong. We belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes it happens, even in Christian families, that a child feels like he or she doesn't belong. Sometimes it happens, even in Christian churches, that a member feels estranged from the body. At times that has to do with our upbringing at times with certain events that have happened in our lives. Satan would like to use such things to cut us off from close communion with the Lord and from fellowship with each other. And so we need to know the basic gospel truth that Lord's Day 1 summarizes for us. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. You belong. You are part of God's family. It's not because of who you are or what you've done. 
It's only because Jesus Christ has paid for your sins and set you free from the power of the devil. You belong, beloved. You belong to Christ your Savior. You are God's dearly loved sons and daughters. Our identity is not found in our appearance, education, career, possessions, or any of these outward things of life. You'll never find lasting joy or fulfillment in any of these things. True comfort is found only in belonging to God and His Son, Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul writes, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Sharing in Christ changes everything. Belonging to Him helps us establish a core identity. There is great comfort and security in belonging to God. This brings us to our second point, and it will consider our blessings. Those who struggle with attachment disorder face many struggles in life. It is extremely difficult for them to bond with other people. They want to belong, but they don't know how to belong. The core issue for them is often a lack of basic trust in other people. Their parents or child their parents or caregivers have let them down in early childhood. They were not trustworthy. The result is that those with attachment disorder find it hard to trust others in a meaningful way. Our catechism makes a strong connection between belonging to our faithful Savior Jesus Christ and being able to entrust ourselves to His loving care. We have a Savior who not only gives us a new identity, He loves us so much that He's promised to care for us and to provide all our needs. Our Catechism puts it this way, He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Note that the Catechism refers to God as my Heavenly Father. That's a relational term. It speaks about the bond there is between God our Father and us, His children. All who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior are adopted by God. They are His dearly loved sons and daughters. Because of His great love for us, God has promised to care for us. At times, we struggle with that. We don't always feel close to God. Because of our sins, we feel unworthy. At times, we think God could never love a wretch like me. Due to the brokenness of life, there are times when it seems like God is far removed from us. My life is broken. I don't feel like it can ever be put together again. God's love sounds nice, but it's not a reality 
in my life. There's a number of things that can bring about such feelings in our lives. Those who deal with ongoing sickness, who are faced with chronic pain, can begin to doubt the goodness of God. Those faced with financial pressures, who are snowed under by debt, can feel hard done by. They see others around them prospering, and yet their situation only seems to get worse. In such circumstances, it's hard to see that God is fair, that God truly loves me. At times, we have to deal with ongoing stress, anxiety, even depression. The struggles to cope can overwhelm us, can become really hard to know God as a loving and caring Father. We may be faced with struggles in our relationships. We may not feel loved or supported by our spouse. There may be friction in our relationship with a parent or child or other family member. We may face ongoing conflict in relationships with others at work or in church life. These things can affect us mightily. God created us as relational beings. But if we're cut off from the love and support and care of those around us, it can be hard for us to accept that God loves us. Paul understood from his own trials and suffering how hard it can be to hold on to God's love, to feel comforted by it. That's why in Romans 8, verse 28, he wrote these words. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. With these words, Paul makes clear that God has a plan for our lives, that God is using all our experiences, even the tough ones, for our good. Beloved, consider the fact that not a hair can fall from our heads without God's will. The average person sheds between 50 and 100 hairs each day. Often they fall without us even noticing. But God's care over us is so particular that he notices even such insignificant things. Surely the Father knows our cares and struggles. He not only knows them, he's also using them for our benefit. So we see the blessings that come from belonging to God and to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. As parents, most of us would do anything in our power to protect our children. We're often fiercely protective of them. We certainly desire the best for them. If that's how we as sinful people feel about our children, then think about God's love for you, his son, or his daughter. In Romans 8, Paul writes, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And trust yourselves, beloved, to the loving care of your Father in heaven. 
and of your Savior Jesus Christ seated on the throne at God's right hand. Surely God loves us, and he will provide for us. This brings us to our final point, our purpose. Belonging to Jesus Christ gives meaning and purpose to our lives. We derive great comfort from belonging to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We find security in God's promises to care for us through all the ups and downs of life and to provide our needs. Yet belonging to Christ also gives meaning and purpose to our lives. Our catechism talks about this. It says, Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. God's love for us in Jesus Christ is seen in the fact He has sent the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. He's the one who works faith in us. He's the one who helps us believe the good news of salvation, that Jesus has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. That gives us confidence when we face the future. Even when we face deadly trials, we know that there's more to life than what we experience here on this earth. In the midst of troubles and sorrows, we long more earnestly for the life to come. We look forward to the joy and the glory of life with God on new heavens and a new earth. Yet we're not there yet. Just like the Lord Jesus, we often have to walk through suffering to attain glory. We still have to live our daily lives in this broken, sin-stained world. At times, our pilgrimage through life can be tremendously difficult. Yet God has given our lives meaning and purpose By claiming us as his own, he calls us to live in close fellowship with him. In Christ, we are a new creation. Our calling is to live as such, to live our lives to the glory of God. Obviously, we cannot do this in our own strength. But the point is, we're not on our own. God is not distant, far removed from us. He personally dwells in each of our hearts. By having the Spirit live in us, God changes us from the inside out. By nature, we are inclined to set our minds on the things of the flesh and to live a lifestyle not pleasing to God. Yet by the Spirit living in us, the focus of our life changes. We focus on the things of God. The Spirit leads and directs our lives so more and more we begin to do things in accordance with God's law, things that please Him. Instead of being self-focused, the Spirit helps us to be God-focused, to live our lives in close communion with the Lord. Do you understand, beloved, the rich comfort of the gospel? Can you say, 
that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It may be that in your human relationships you struggle with attachment issues, that you find it hard to trust others and to entrust yourself to the care of others. But beloved, with God this is different. He has demonstrated his constant love and his abiding faithfulness by giving his son to redeem you from your sins and to free you from the mastery of Satan. God loves you with a deep and an abiding love. Find comfort and security in belonging to him. Find meaning and purpose in serving him in your life. For then you will be truly blessed. Amen.